Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are able to worship you together. I thank you, Lord, that we can sense and feel the moving of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray specifically today for the one that is really struggling to understand who they are in your eyes. Lord, I believe that the enemy of our soul speaks lies into our ears, telling us that we are something less, something different than who you have declared us to be. And Father, as we have worshipped you, as we have sensed your Holy Spirit, there is that spark in us that wants to believe that we are indeed who you have declared us to be. And Father, for the ones that have been struggling, the ones that have been believing the lies spoken by the enemy, whether that comes through a person or whether it's just something that they hear in their minds, I pray that today, Lord, they will stand up. That they will stand up in their minds and they will say no to the lie. And Father, I believe that right now that the Holy Spirit is present in our worship, He's present in our homes, He's present in our gathering, and that we can say, God, I believe that I am who you say I am. I am your child. You love me. You sacrificed your son for me. You have given me all that I might have eternal life, and I believe that I belong to you. Father, I pray, let that begin to take root in our hearts so that we can walk the way you want us to walk. Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you today. We're going to continue our series on miracles and this morning, I believe that there is a question that God wants to ask each and every one of us. And the question is this, what do you have? I've even envisioned that we would, we would look at our hands to see what it is. What do we possess? What do we have? Ask ourselves that question today. I'd like to look at a miracle today found in Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 13. Let's read it. It's a rather lengthy te uh, text, so follow along with me. When Jesus heard what was happening, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
We have only, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This morning, I'd like us to look at five things that we can discover about God when we look at this miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. The first thing that I think that we can learn is that he is compassionate. I want you to think about the larger context of these verses, and we realize that Jesus had just received a visit from the, the disciples of John the Baptist, and they had let Jesus know that John had just been beheaded. Now, John had been imprisoned by Herod the Tetrarch, and Herod, as a gift had given the head of John the Baptist on a platter to someone who had asked for it. And I believe that Jesus was feeling the emotional weight of the loss of John the Baptist because of his execution. And he needed to get away from the crowds. He needed to be alone. He needed to be refreshed. And he used a boat in order to put some distance between himself and those that wanted to be around him. But we read that literally the crowds followed him, and I don't know if, if they could simply spot the boat and, and track which way it went and just literally followed along the shoreline, or did they wait until he landed uh, and get word and then head out? But they literally, they brought their sick so that Jesus could heal them. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he gets off the boat, that he is moved with a sense of empathy regarding the condition of these people that need to be healed. Now, I don't know about you, but I can say of myself that when I get tired, it's really difficult for me to have compassion. In fact, the more tired I get, the less compassion I seem to be able to have. I think what we do is we become focused on our own condition when we're tired rather than be able to focus on the condition of other people. I'm so glad that that's not who Jesus was. In James chapter 5 and verse 11, <clears throat> Uh, it says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul says that the, he is the, God is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. It was compassion that moved Jesus 
to heal these people. It was compassion that moved him to be concerned about their needs rather than about his own emotional tiredness and the need just to get away. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it says this, For this reason he had to be made like them, speaking of Jesus, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. I'm so glad that God made Jesus in such a way that he was able to become both merciful and faithful as our high priest. I think it's easy for you and I to say, you know what, today I just don't have the energy to focus on others. I'm so glad that God is never too tired to have compassion and mercy on us. Secondly, we learn that, that He exceeds all expectations. Now, the disciples had just watched Jesus waste a perfect day off. They felt he, was, he really had, had taken this time where he could be private and instead of using it to recharge his own battery, he, he wasted it by healing the sick throughout the day. And at the end of the day, they come to him and they say, Jesus, it's late. This is a very remote place. And they obviously, uh, these people that have followed you, they're not prepared. Uh, they don't have food that they've brought with them. We don't have anything ready. And the only solution that they could imagine was to send these people away. Send them away so that, that they can literally go out into these little villages that, that surround us and, and they can find a way to get some food for themselves. I don't even think the disciples had any plans for dinner either. They just couldn't see any other way to handle the situation. And these were the same men that had witnessed Jesus casting out demons. They watched at the wedding of Cana as he turned the water into wine. They saw him raise the dead. They knew that he had healed the blind that he had healed the mute, he had healed the, the, the paralyzed, those that, that had leprosy. He had walked on the water, he calmed the storm. They were witnesses to these miracles, but still they could not imagine how he could provide food for such a crowd. I think we often look at our own circumstances. We see all the facts. In fact, I, I picture those facts to be the walls of the box that we create. It's late. We're in a remote place. Everyone is hungry. And we build this box out of the facts that we see and we attempt to put God in that box. I want you to look at Jesus' response because I love it. He said, you know what? They don't need to go anywhere. I'm glad that, that God in His goodness, He always goes beyond what we could ever imagine. He always exceeds our expectations. 
Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. He says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work in us. I think, friends, that you and I tend to limit the things that God can do by looking at all the facts. When what we really should be doing is looking at who God is. Look at his track record. Look at who the Bible says that he is. And standing on the truth of God's word and the reality that in every single situation that God has always done more than you and I could ever ask or imagine by the power of God. And he's exceeded our expectations every single time. Number three. We learn about God that he uses small stuff. Now, in John's gospel, we read an account of this miracle as well. And Jesus, I believe, intentionally uh, freaks the disciples out when he asks them this question. And he asks them the question, uh, before they even begin to address the situation. And, and they, I, I feel like Jesus sees the throng of crowds coming uh, their way, and I feel like he leans over and he just whispers to somebody, hey, where are we ever going to get enough bread to feed all of these people? And I believe that he asked the question because, as the, as the scripture tells us in John, he's, he wants to see their response. He's actually testing them. He already had a plan in his mind of how he was going to meet the need. But he's asking them, what do you guys got in mind? And we see that the disciples uh, in John's account, they, they, they begin to scramble. They begin to try to figure out what are we going to do. And, and Philip, uh, you know, he, he begins to do a little bit of math. And he throws out a number at Jesus. And he said, you know, even if we had eight months wages, if we had that much money right now, it still would not be enough to give all of these people just one bite. And I, I think about that because in the remote location that they were, even if they had all the money they needed, they wouldn't be able to, to just take that money and turn it into food because they didn't have a place to buy it. Andrew, on the other hand, he finds a, a, a young kid who's got a lunch. And Andrew uh, discovers that this lunch has five loaves and two fish. And he brings that to Jesus. And he knows that it's not enough. In fact, he asks, how far can this go among so many? They know that it's not going to be enough. But he brings it to Jesus anyway because it's what he has in his hand at the time. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27 because I think we're really going to learn something very interesting here about God. It says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. When it comes to being used by God, 
I think that for many of us, we think to ourselves, well, what do I have? I, I really don't think that I have anything to offer God. And I, I think the initial question is the right question, what do I have? We just put the emphasis on the wrong part of the sentence by saying, what do I have? Which puts the emphasis purely on us rather than saying, what do I have? What, what do I have in my possession at my disposal that I can use? And I believe Jesus wants us to ask that question. And I believe that he is looking for you and I to take what we have and to give it to God and allow God to use it. I love what Paul says in Romans 4.17. He is the God that calls things that are not as though they were. You see, you and I, we think that what we have is not enough. But I want to assure you today that in God's hands, whatever we have, it is going to be enough. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I want you to get that. Get that in your spirit. Get it in your mind. Get it in your heart. Because Paul says that, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. The fact that I really don't, I'm not enough. He said, I'm going to boast about that. So that Christ's power may rest in me. Friends, I believe that God is willing to use whatever we have at our disposal. I believe that, that he's willing if we will offer it to him, if we will give it to him, if he will put it in his hands, he is going to use it no matter how little you might think it is, no matter how weak you might think it is, God will use it and he will use it according to his power rather than according to our weakness. Number four, I believe that we're going to learn that he wants to use you and he wants to use me after receiving the the fish and the loaves jesus directs the people to sit down and then the bible says that he gives thanks to his heavenly father he breaks the bread into pieces and then he passes out the pieces to his disciples and he tells them i want you to distribute it to the people now, here's a question for you. Why do you think Jesus did that rather than skipping the middleman? Because I am sure at some point one of those guys was going to do it wrong. And you know, I think many of us, this is an area that we really struggle because we want to get things right. And it's hard for us to think about giving up control. And and there, there's a, a struggle that we face sometimes of getting other people involved because we think they won't do it right. But I believe that Jesus wanted them 
to, to, to do it, even if they got it wrong. He wanted them to get involved. He wanted them to be a part of the process, and he desires that for you and I. And even though God is a sovereign God, and he can do whatever he wants to do, once again, he shows us that it pleases him to work through us. Isaiah said that God is looking for those who will go on God's behalf and to do what God wants to be done. In the Great Commission, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the good news. Jesus left that task up to us, his followers. We read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you realize that we've been created and gifted by Jesus to do works on his behalf? And those works were prepared in advance by God. In other words, God comes up with the plan and Jesus has created and made us uh, and gifted us a very specific way to carry out that plan. So in other words, you and I are a significant part of God's plan to reach the world. We have different giftings. Your gifting is different than mine. Mine are different than yours. But God has gifted us and God desires to use us. And I believe that today he is still breaking that bread and handing those pieces to us and saying, here, you go out and you distribute it to those who are hungry because I want to satisfy them. Number five, he likes leftovers. Now, I'll be honest, I love leftovers. When I put away the food after a really good meal, I think to myself, yes, I get to have this for lunch tomorrow. In fact, sometimes I'll take out the Tupperware and I'll make up my lunch from that, the leftovers of that meal. I'll make it up right then, put it in the fridge. The next day, easy peasy, just get it out, put it in my backpack, get it here, and I'm excited at lunchtime. I love leftovers. In fact, I think some meals get better as leftovers than they actually were when they were served initially. Well, I believe that God wants to do and does miracles in two different ways. The first way is this, that he does it with total abundance. God just, he, he blows it out of the park and he provides so far beyond what we could ever imagine. And the second way when God does miracles, I believe that he'll do it right down to the exact penny. In 1 Kings chapter 17, God directs the prophet Elijah. And he said, I'm, I'm going to have you go to this place and there's going to be a widow and she's going to feed you. So Elijah goes to that place. He meets a widow and he just assumes this has got to be the lady. And he says to her, hey, you know, um, 
do you have any water that you could give me? And she said, sure, I'll get you some water. She, le- she starts to turn around and go get him some water. And he said, by the way, would you bring me a loaf of bread? And it's at that moment that she turns to him and she says, well, I just want you to know that I have very little flour, very little oil. In fact, I'm gathering sticks so that I can go and make one loaf of bread for my son and I. And then after that, basically, we're planning on starving to death. Rather than saying to the woman, oh, hey, maybe I've got the wrong person here. (laughs) Elijah says, make sure to make mine first. And then I want you to make some for yourself and for your son. And, and I want you to know that it's going to continue until this drought that we're going through has subsided. You're going to find that every day there's going to be enough for you. And we read in the text that every day she went back to the barrel, there was always enough flour and enough oil to make the bread for that day. It lasted until the famine was over. Now, in Matthew 14, Jesus is feeding the 5,000, and he meets this need with abundance. And we read the number 5,000, but that's only the number of men. So if we conservatively put a wife and one child with all of those men, that number would rise to 15,000. So that number could could be somewhere between 10 and 20,000 people. And the Bible says that all of them ate, that all of them were satisfied, and that they gathered up the leftovers after all. Everyone was satisfied after everyone ate as much as they wanted, and it filled 12 baskets. Now, I've always thought of these baskets as just being massive baskets, and I don't know why I thought that. But in preparation for my message, I decided to look into uh, the the Greek language and, and look at that word baskets. And the word baskets, the word is Uh, is a a Greek word that refers to actually a very small basket. And in the description of that small basket, it's something that would be carried in the hand, and it's something where people would carry food for the day. It's a lunchbox. And I'll tell you, that really made me feel good because I realized that those 12 baskets represented and were in fact 12 lunch boxes for his disciples. So God, Jesus feeds these thousands of people and yet there is enough left over to provide lunch for his disciples for the next day. God has the ability to meet that need far and above what we could ever imagine. God loves to meet needs in just just blowing the doors off it with tremendous abundance, but he's also able to meet needs right down to the very penny. I want to read from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. Where Paul says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you about a woman named Leona. And Leona 
had given her life to Jesus and she was in a discipleship relationship and she was really growing in the Lord and, and, and the Lord was uh, challenging her with this verse, Philippians 4.19. And she put that verse on her refrigerator so that she could memorize it. And she had decided that because of this verse, God was really challenging her to begin tithing on her income. And she was believing that God was going to meet all of her needs. When Leona was a a young person, her mother had a habit uh, of, of saving pennies and dimes. And she would put them in a container, and so Leona decided she would pick this up as, as something that she would do. And so, interestingly, she, she takes a, a small container, and she keeps it in the refrigerator. And every time she gets pennies and dimes, she would put them in that container in the refrigerator. And she told her daughter that at some point, we will take this money, and we will use it for a special treat for ourselves Leona was amazed as she began to tithe that she wasn't broke after she tithed. In fact, previous to tithing, she always had more week than she did money. And she would have to borrow money sometimes to stay afloat. Now, admittedly, once she began tithing, she said, well, we had a few meals of macaroni and cheese, or, or we might have to have eggs and toast for dinner. But they never went without. God always provided for their needs. Now, there wasn't enough money for special things that were out of the ordinary, but their needs were always met. And Leona continued to put those pennies and dimes into that container, into the refrigerator. Springtime rolls around. Leona's daughter comes home one day with an order form for her yearbook. The cost of the yearbook is $8. And Leona realizes there's a month we can save up. We'll probably be able to, to have enough money to pay for the yearbook. So yeah, go ahead, fill it out. We'll be, able to, we'll be able to do it. But a month goes by, and after that month, there was no extra money to be found. And they couldn't, they couldn't finalize the order, and her daughter was heartbroken. Her daughter said, you said that God would supply all of our needs. Why don't we have enough? Mom, it's only eight bucks. Leona took the time to tell her daughter the difference between a need and a want. And as you can imagine, that really didn't help her daughter. Her daughter was angry as she got ready for school that morning and prepared to head out to the bus. And Leona stopped her daughter and said, hey, we've got to pray. They prayed every morning before her daughter went to the bus. And her daughter said, I don't want to pray. God doesn't care. And Leona said, honey, yes, he does. And we must pray now more than ever. And as Leona grabbed her daughter's hands to pray, she saw a tear fall down her daughter's face. She wiped that tear away. And Leona's prayer was simply this, God, please help us. And at the end of that prayer, she remembered the container in the refrigerator. 
And she said to her daughter, honey, we've got to go to the fridge and see how much money is in that container. And her daughter ran to the kitchen, opened the refrigerator, took that container, emptied it out and dumped it all over the kitchen counter and began to count the pennies and dimes. Guess how much there was? It was eight dollars. Exactly. Friends, I want you to know, no matter what we face, God is bigger than anything. He's a God of miracles. I want to close with the scripture, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. It says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I want you to know that nothing is too difficult for God. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can build our lives on the truth contained in your word. And Father, today there are some people that are listening to this message and they need a miracle. And they need the compassion of God, the mercy of God. There are some that need to realize that that you want to use them and that you are willing to use the small stuff. And Father, I pray that right now that we would look at what we have available, look to what we possess, the gifts that we have, and that we would realize that you have gifted us and that through those gifts, through what we have, you are ready to do miracles if we will only put those things in your hands. So Father, I pray. I pray right now that wherever we are, that we will hold those hands out and we will look at them and we will ask ourselves, what do I have? And that we would be willing to put it into your hands so that you might use it and bring about great miracles for the glory of God. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.